All right, everyone, this is an all-new Unbuckled Chin Strap podcast the day after our college draft. And wow, what a uh, week it's been. Last week's episode featured my co-founder and CEO, older brother Mike. We talked about the unveiling of the championship series. Then beginning this week, we announced not only that the NBC partnership will unveil to international countries that uh, otherwise didn't have access to PLL games for the championship series and onward, but we then announced a major feat for our league that we will be hosting sports betting through our Genius Sports Partnership and other gaming operators yet to be announced beginning July 25th. So sports betting is on for fans everywhere which uh, I think is a, a major, major milestone for our sport across the board. And then came the college draft and the number one pick. And today's guest is Grant Ament. That's right. It's Ament, not Ament. And we jump right into it. Why don't we just start there? Grant and I go way back. He was a sophomore when I first met him at the Haverford School. We didn't talk much about those times, but I, I had a sense that uh, – at a minimum, this guy was high character and worked his ass off. I didn't, and I'll admit, I didn't anticipate him getting to where he is today, which is the best college lacrosse player in the country and the number one pick in the POL. I also didn't uh, think that we would and I would co-found a professional lacrosse league. So who knows? Uh, but what I can tell you is from the point of view of Grant, we talk about the draft. We talk about his excitement around the PLO, what he's been up to, injuries, his time at Penn State, and more. Enjoy the show. All right, we're back. Unbuckled chin strap with the number one draft pick of the class of 2020, my man, Grant Ament. How you doing, man? What's up? I'm, I'm all jacked up. I'm happy to be on. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, I've been looking forward to this day for many, many years since we were last working together at Project Nine. But before we jump in, I was uh, I was thinking about this. You and I, when I was in college, uh, people went back and forth between calling me Rabel and Rabble. I'm I'm convinced that when I played in Charlottesville at Virginia, even my senior year was like, all right, enough of this. But when I'd score a goal, they'd go on the loudspeaker and goal by number nine. Paul Rabble. I'd be like, those motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> there are there there is a, a a a split between reporters in lacrosse and players. Ament, Ament. I know you're uh your family friends with with Mark Millen. That's how originally we were connected and able to get you into Project Nine when you were a sophomore. So I'm mm -hmm. going based on that, mm -hmm. but but let's just clear the air for the hundreds of thousands of people that are listening to the show you. right now. Yes, it's it's amen. So I actually have a funny story. That's about what I'm that. talking um, about. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. And I would bug out when like ESPN folks would say amen from time. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? It's it's amen. <laughs> All right, tell yeah, us. Yeah. So when I was when I was a freshman at Penn State, because Coach Sambroni, like, I mean, you know, Coach, he he's a very punctual guy and and likes doing um, starting things out right. right. So there was roll call, and I'm and I'm an A, so I'm top of the list. And, um, it's, it's my first meeting and they do roll call and Mike Sutton, um, says amend. And I say here and he goes, wait, 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 Michael, go back. Grant, how do you say your last name? And I had to say it in front of the entire team. Um, and I'm like, you know, this is my first college lacrosse meeting. And I have to be that guy that has to stop the entire meeting and tell everybody how to properly pronounce my name. Right. Um, 
Yeah, that was, I was, so, so that happened in the first meeting. And then I chose number one in that meeting and everybody looks at me and like, who the hell is this? Look at this guy. So did they actually listen to you? I feel like if, if I had stood up, if, if Petro put me on the spot to stand up and I was like, Hey guys, it's Rabel, not Rabel, not Rabiel, that the guys on the team would have been like, okay, thanks. Now we're going to call you Rabel or Rabiel. Is that how it went? Or they, they, they took your word for it. I mean, in front of coach, it was definitely yeah. said right because he 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 would literally stop people in their traps if they if they said the wrong like if they pronounced somebody else's name. And I wasn't the only guy that they they've done it to, but like I I distinctively remember that, and I was like shaking uh, in the meeting uh. because I was I was in the front row. Like I thought I was like, all right, I'm starting off right. Boom! Next front row know, as a freshman, I love it. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, that that's a that's the start, and then and then you know announcers mix it up from here and there, but uh, you know I, I I used I used to kind of be particular on it, you know my my mom and dad definitely like when I'm particular about it, just because yeah. obviously it's my dad my dad's family's name, so um, but yeah it's it's a funny story of how that all started. Well, we'll come up with something like you know that, that that's catchy, and maybe you should consider uh, updating your your Twitter. Uh, name to to emphasize the ament the a and ament <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk has always done that he spells his name his last name differently so people know that it's a Vaynerchuk and I, I, uh, I when I go on little little known um, tidbit here when I go on air because a lot of most you'd assume that if I'm on the Today Show like last week or if I do an ESPN hit or if I go on NBC I walk under the assumption that these people don't know who the hell I am and that's okay. Uh, lacrosse is just growing. So I always introduce myself and I say, Hey, uh, I'm Paul Rabel. Rabel's like table. And they go, oh, Okay. And you can tell they're like thinking, oh, should we call this fucking guy Rabel or Rabel? And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes before I started doing that, they would, I could tell sometimes I would get an intro where they just say Paul. And I'm like, who just introduces the person by their first name on like a major set? Uh, so I like to clear that. So anyway, we'll talk, let me tell you a, a Tambo story too, as you reminded me. So I got to play for Coach Tambroni uh, in 2014 at the World Games, and I was just texting him uh, two weekends ago when they were re-airing your guys' championship, Big Ten championship win against Hopkins last year, which was a thriller. Uh, one goal game mm -hmm. in overtime you guys won. So I'm texting him going, damn, yep. look at all these styles of goals you guys are scoring through the legs, backhanded, around the world. I'm like, <laughs> what happened to the non-negotiables, Tambo? And so he started laughing. So when he was coaching us in 2014, he was coming off of his stint at Cornell, and he was like exactly how you said it. He's very regimented. He's poignant. He knows what works, and he goes in. He's assertive. And I remember he gave mm -hmm. us our playbooks, and he was like, "These are the sets that we're running. Here are the players in place." He knocks out all of the direct conversations, so everyone's honest and feels comfortable whether they're starting or or they're not going to play. And then he's like, mm -hmm. and then he brought this up. He, These are non-negotiable plays in my offense. And I remember thinking, "Fuck." I live in the non-negotiables, coach. Like I shoot on the run from outside of twelve, <laughs> outside the hash, and like oh I no, actually, that, that doesn't that that doesn't fly. That's that still that's still fly. It, it seems so. Anyway, so I'll fast forward. So I'm watching, you know, five years later, this Penn State team, which seems like everything flies. I'm going, what happened to the non-negotiables? And he got a kick out of it. It seems like everything's negotiable now, Tambo. <laughs> but but there are are there still non-negotiables in your in your offense? Yeah. Yeah. So huh. I, the big thing is a, the big thing is ADP. So angle distance placement. 
Um, so angle, if the ball goes out on the sideline, you do push-ups in practice. A shot. And, so if you shoot and it doesn't get to the end line, it goes to the sideline? Yeah, so those so those low-angle on-the-run shots down the alley that you love taking yep. probably would not fly with him. Well, <laughs> um, at least we know where and we then, stand. And then everybody's <laughs> – Everybody, everybody's distance is, is a little bit different. Like obviously Mac can kind of extend his to that, you know, 18 yard range if he wants, Damn. uh, at times. And, you know, I'm, I'm that 10 to 12, yeah. uh, you know, crease crank type guy. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, and then, and then obviously placement, but we work on that stuff with, with, uh, John Hawes is the one who, who puts us through the placement drills every day. So it's going to be fun, you know, suiting up against coach Hawes. And, yeah being able to you know go against him a little bit so when you say placement do you mean like where the, the the player is positioned on the field when catching the ball or when dodging no placement on the goal placement on, on, on the your goal. shot so based off yeah ba- based on the the goalie um your goalie scout and kind of you know where where we're going so if your goalie has any tendencies um you know we hammer those during the week of practice we don't focus too much on the goalies um we used to i mean you, you've watched film with Coach Sambroni. I mean, yeah. I'm sure with the U.S. I mean, the guy is – he sees the littlest things that the the common eye just doesn't see. Um, so, you know, he used to be really big on on watching scouts and, and watching goalie film. And I think it was right around my sophomore year, um, junior year, like he asked for feedback on it. And I said, listen, Coach, if you give me the hand of the goalie and if he does – if he drops to his knees every time, you know, tell me that. I don't need to see 30 minutes of film on the guy. I'm going to shoot my shot and I'm going to do it and whatever happens happens. And it kind of trickled out from there. I think that's one of the cool things with coach is he really did take a lot of the feedback from the players and implement it into our offense and like the way that we watched film. I think that was one of the swallowed his pride a little bit and and was able to kind of move forward. And I think, you know, there's a strong correlation with the team's success with that um, and, and really making it, you know, not necessarily him being up here, uh, him being, you know, all the way up here and, and us being down here more as equals um, to all going towards one common goal. I right. think that's pretty cool for, for him. Um, and, and one of the biggest compliments I think you can give a, give a coach to adapt to your players. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And it has, it's a, it's a very thin line because the, the moments where adaptation is required is often, you know, unpredictable. And uh, mm-hmm. there's circumstances during a game or at halftime. And uh, so I, I think that from my experience, at least speaking to some of the best coaches in all sports, is that you do your best to game plan out, you know, as close to dozens of scenarios as possible. And this is mm-hmm. you know, kind of Bill Belichick and why he's able to main, maintain so much mm-hmm. stoicism on the sideline. And football is more concrete than the fluidity of lacrosse and basketball or soccer. But the man has literally thought about every fucking mm-hmm. scenario possible. So when you know you're in the fourth quarter, two and a half minutes left, down by ten, and you throw an interception, he's not like, "Up, oh, game's over." He's like, "Okay, I've thought about this scenario, and this is the play now that we're going to deploy on defense." <laughs> I mean, literally everything. Um, and and it's almost yeah. like it, it's it, he's gamified it, but scenario planning's huge, and that helps with temperament of emotion. So let, let's uh, use that as a sequitur in, into your uh, decision because we're talking about Penn State. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. you were the first to declare that you were going to, uh, you know, despite the, the global pandemic and kind of the back and forth around the NCAA's temporary, then definite cancellation of the spring season and then some of the, the university's policies that have differed from the Ivy to 
um, other mm-hmm. conferences. You decided to uh, to part ways and 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 play pro, and now the number one pick in the PLL. W- walk us through that process. Yeah, I mean, it, it was obviously a tough decision. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you know if you were in the same position, you know, it, it's definitely. I think everybody that I've talked to, I mean, college lacrosse is is there's nothing like it, and you know, you're you're um, you're you know part of a group for me for the past five years. So, I mean. Being a fifth year already, I, I definitely think um, weighed into the decision. Um, and, and then, you know, I look at, at some of the injuries that I've had over the years. Um, and they definitely, specifically this year, um, you know, I was probably playing. I remember you and I exchanged a few text messages, uh, you know, in the beginning of the season. Like I, I was playing at probably 75%. I wasn't practicing at all during the week. Um, I literally would just pr- do our walkthrough on Fridays and play, uh, play on Saturdays and just be with my strength coach doing like a, the assault bike and stuff like that to be able to keep my conditioning up. And this um, is Joe's and, fracture recovery still, right? Extended recovery? Yes. So so this this fall, I, I did that, the Jones fracture. Um, did you do got, that twice? Was the second hard, time or, or the first time? Yeah, this was this was the left foot. So I did my right foot my right junior year, and that foot. ended my – yeah. So um, And then uh, I had some complications. Uh, I got an infection and had to get two more surgeries on it um so i was in the hospital for like five days i think um which and then i was on an an iv bag uh for the infection for for about a month there um so you know it it was a shitty fall like to to be honest like it was it was pretty rough and um there was no guarantees that that would happen again and i really don't think it would happen again um given that you know i've got two screws in and you know it's pretty pretty sturdy but um you know it definitely uh, and I, and I know you've gone through injuries. I mean, injuries do take a mental toll on you. And, um, for, for me, it definitely took a lot. And, um, you know, I remember having pretty, some pretty tough conversations with coach Sambroni, um, with, with, you know, tears and everything, just, you know, being so upset because I wasn't the player that I wanted to be, um, you know, on the field and mentally I was there. So, um, you know, it definitely took a lot, um, and then, and then the third thing with that, that I think the, the, the fifth years and the, and the, and uh, so there are four fifth years that are graduating and Nick McAvoy. Um, um, so there's five of us that are not coming back, but the other fifth years, um, we, we'd all kind of just came to the decision. Um, and we'd all talked about it a lot together. Um, and you know, we came up with the, the fact that we just have no regrets on, on anything that we did. And we look where the program was, where when we came in um you know i know i know that uh you know we we'd never beaten john Hopkins, we'd never beaten maryland and we look and in, in our tenure um you know we were able to beat john Hopkins three times we were able to beat maryland um we were able to kind of you know go, go to the final four we, we put penn state on the map and um you know i, I think we all kind of just held our held our heads high and uh you know with no regrets knowing that you know we squeezed as much as we could out of it and we gave it everything that we got. And sometimes that's just the way that, that it happens. And, um, you know, I was actually just texting with those guys, the, the, the fifth years that aren't coming back. And, um, you know, just, you know, just talking about you know, Tommy Wright just asked me what, uh, what workout should I do today? So yeah. I told him what, what workout I was doing. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely, it was definitely a tough decision just because of the guys, but, um, you know, I felt that, that with those other fifth years, as well as, you know, talking to my family, that, that it was the best decision for me. And then, you know, I look at, at how it's kind of played out and, uh, you know, being the number one overall pick, 
um, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's well worth it for me because obviously it's a dream come true. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing all that, that insight. I mean, it's, it's a complicated decision because you're, you're kind of sitting at, at the balance point of a pendulum that could swing in one direction of going back and potentially making a run at a championship in another direction of getting the next and long stage of your career going. Um, mm-hmm. You know, talking to a guy who's been playing professionally, and this will be my 13th season, um, you know, there's a lot of emphasis, and I would agree that there is nothing like college sports, and it's not just college lacrosse, it's football, basketball. And uh, we're often told by society that it's the uh, the most important four years and, and uh, you know, consists of some of the best relationships and maturation. And I would, I would agree that it is some of the best. Uh, but when you think about time, it's really four years of a life that's far longer. And I think uh, in, in retrospect, when I think about sports, especially at the professional levels, very few people make it to professional sports. And then you have people like Peyton Manning and uh, the late Kobe Bryant and others that, you know, make 18 plus year careers, you know, and, and that's, that's more than four X your time playing college. So the experiences are so, so, so more um, in some cases fulfilling and certainly vast. Um, And Mm -hmm. so uh, there's that, right. And you're beginning that part of Mm -hmm. your career. And there's also a lot of unknown around what the college season is going to be like next year. Uh, depending mm-hmm. on the vaccination here and, and, and what we're understanding. And certainly we made our announcement last week around our championship series and our quarantine fanless tournament, but mm-hmm. we might not see college football until the spring. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. And all scenarios are planning. Mm-hmm. And then, so what type of ricochet does that have on other spring sports? So uh, certainly, I'm, and I'm sure you've seen either on your Twitter feed or others that people say, oh, Grant, I can't believe he didn't stay another year. He could have won a championship. And, but like, that's just what is what makes difficult decisions difficult is that um, there's there's uh, there's an advantage in a position that you're in because you're the best college player in the country and uh, and and you also see the opportunity uh, beginning your professional career. So I commend you on it. I know it was uh, I know it was probably a gut wrenching and difficult conversation. It sounds like you had all of the right conversations though, beginning with Coach T. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I talked to Coach T, talked to Coach Toner. Um, Coach Hawes, obviously, and, um, you know, each, each one was a little bit different because, you know, you, you look at Coach Tambroni and, and Coach Toner. Uh, Coach Toner's our uh, associate head coach, and, um, you know, they're a little bit further out of the game, and they're, they're thinking, okay, it's just another year. Just come back for a sixth year. It's sure. just one more year of life. But then, you know, talking to Coach, to, to coach Hawes, I mean, he, he understood, he's like, dude, I, I get it. Like, I, I know where you're, I, I know where your head's at. I graduated college, you know, six years ago. So like, I get it. Um, so, you know, it, and, and, you know, after that conversation, you know, they've been nothing but supportive of it. Um, you know, I, I think in, in one way, you know, they definitely wanted me back, but at the, sure. at the same time, um, you know, I think, you know, being able to, you know, have a Penn state lacrosse player play in the PLL, another one along with Chris Sabia, um, I think it's just a great look for the program. And, um, you know, I, I look at, you know, both the Atlas and the Whip Snakes and just how many guys from Hopkins and Maryland they have. And, and the hope is one day, maybe 10 years down the line, we have a, a, a similar team for Penn State guys. And, yeah. um, you know, it's it's a dream, but, you know, it's it's definite, it definitely could happen with, you know, the talent that we have, um, as well as just the coaching staff. Yeah. You know, the, those guys definitely grinded us um, and, and molded us to, to the players that we are today. 
Yeah, and, and their hearts are in, and I hearts are in the right place. I, I totally empathize and know Coach T really well, and and I would be making that bid for you to stay if I were him in his shoes now. I mean, I understand that you know from from an optics standpoint, professional lacrosse up to this point certainly hasn't been what the NBA was. And even if you look at the early stages of players leaving early, it wasn't until you know the the last couple of decades, but even watching the Jordan doc unfold now for Jordan to have left after his junior year was major news. You stayed all four mm-hmm. years in basketball, even where the NBA was at, which, which wasn't nearly where it is at today. Uh, but Dean Smith had to essentially reconcile those feelings and understand the future for MJ. And so our plan is, is to make that uh, very clear and coaches will then be able to understand or kind of see through example more and more of their graduates, whether you know, in a circumstance which is certainly uh, unique to you and, and this environment of seniors with this global pandemic. But even in a future down the road where there are players that potentially leave school early, because it's not just pro. I mean, there's further – I mean, I'm sure you have international ambitions as well to, to play for Team USA. So – um, again, commend you mm-hmm. on that, and uh, and congrats mm-hmm. on the the number one pick. Now, um, since you've celebrated with your folks and and uh, friends and and family, um, what's uh what's on your agenda now through July twenty fifth? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I think uh, well, you should you know, know the answer because if you don't know the answer, I'm gonna eat your lunch. Come championship series. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, I'm actually, I'm talking to my, my strength coach, um, and, and we're, we're going to put together a plan because, you know, I think, I think you, you mentioned international, I think you and, and guys that have played at the international level are at a severe advantage in this, you know, basically sprint, uh, that we're going to have to do. So, so my training is going to have to change a little bit, um, to, you know, the, uh, you know, gear up for Saturday, uh, type training that I've been doing. Um, to be able to, you know, get that volume in. So that way, you know, I'm not just smacked with a bunch of volume that, that my body's just not ready for. Um, so, and he's, he's awesome. His, his name's Matt Dorn and he's been, you know, huge in my development, uh, both in the weight room and, you know, in, in conditioning and that stuff. Um, so he's, he's a guy, I think, um, you know, I think similar to, to Jay Dyer was to Hopkins. He's been huge in, you know, developing us off the field um, and, and not necessarily, I think the big thing that, that has changed in, in us is, is it's more of a sports science and it's more of a calculation rather than a, uh, you know, just run a kid until he pukes. Um, yeah. and he, he's really, he's really taken that and he, he, he approached it to coach Tambroni actually initially when he came in. And I mean, you, you as we've talked about, I mean, coach Tambroni is a blue collar guy and, and, you know, he gets fiery. And I remember my freshman year when we had our own strength coach, coach would line us up and we would, we would go at it. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I think you need a punch in the gut every now and then, and you need a, you need a gut check. But, um, you know, I think he coach Dorn has been monumental for, for me in in my, um, game because, you know, he's just always available for us. So we're, we're going to put that together and then hopefully, um, you know, be able to get on my way with that. But other than that, you know, doing a little bit of individual coaching around my area, you know, with, with what I can and, um, you know, trying to coach as much as I can. I, I really do enjoy coaching camps with, with younger kids and stuff like that, and trying to get the fundamentals locked down with them. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing in the meantime. Luckily, 
Uh, you know, I don't have a job, uh, you know, a desk job lined up. So I'll be able to kind of dedicate myself fully to lacrosse. Yeah. Let's, let's fucking um, dedicate here. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's the <laughs> yeah. right thing. That's the right thing. All right. Quick break in the action. That's right. This show is brought to you by Ticketmaster, the presented by sponsor of not only the PLL, but now the PLL's championship series powered by Ticketmaster. They are our official partner, a founding partner, and a ticketing provider of the league for future seasons. Though right now, they are helping us, and I ask that each of you support them by downloading the app and checking out updates and progress during this global pandemic around when your favorite events tickets will be back on sale, as well as other news and updates across the entertainment and sports industry. Ticketmaster app lives on my home screen. Proof, check out my Instagram story right now. Thank you, TM. We love you. And let's jump back into the conversation with Grant. Let me uh, let me drill down a little bit because we uh, you're the um, you're the youngest guest we've ever had, and uh, and so it works <laughs> out. So there are a lot of uh, as I'm sure you've heard, um, folks that uh, call it in you know millennials or my age range, and certainly. Uh, Gen Xers and baby boomers that pontificate on how sports used to be, and you reference getting punched in the gut is is still very mm-hmm. worthwhile versus the new gen mm-hmm. of athletes. And uh, that new gen is you. And you have, as a fifth-year senior, been a captain and kind of leaded even guys that are four or five years younger than you. What's your take when people are like, hey, athletes now are, are – um, you know, I, I hate when they call them softer, but uh, because I, I think that uh, there's a lot of, and I've talked about on different shows I've been on, there are a lot of different macro, um, uh, kind of could just call it like macro changes in the world, whether it's access to news and social media and, you know, I think mm-hmm. an adjustment in social justices and equality all for the better, but that's shaped the way that our, our minds kind of live and breathe related to sport. But mm-hmm. the, the, the age of the Bobby Knights of the world, of even the Michael Jordans, um, I think are, are, are pretty far past us. What's your take around you know, kind of the new age athlete and how you uh, perform best under which environment? Yeah, I, I think... I think the the change and and I mentioned it being a sports science, like it's a scientific approach now rather than um, a mental approach. And I think there there's a fine line between between the two. Um, and, and you know, I think you know, for me, I, I look at my freshman year self, and we had we were kind of more of that old school thing. We would hop on, we would do you know six or seven three hundred yard shuttles. If guys didn't make the time, we would run them again. You know, it was, we would do it until you did it right. Um, as opposed to now, you know, we have a conditioning test, but um, it, it would be, you would get your own personal score. And based off of that score, you would do, you would get a prescription and, you know, to eventually, so the next time you did it, you could get a level up. Hmm. And so it was more personalized um, because I think, I think the coaches realized, listen, an attackman does not need to be in the same shape as a goalie and you know a midfielder is going to run more a defensive midfielder is going to run a hell of a lot more than you know a a defenseman in a game just because he's up and down so we need to make sure those guys are our top conditioned guys yep um so i think it's i think it's a mixture of um science but also just specialization in our sport and i think um it's you see results and i think for me specifically uh, you know, I've seen results and I know how my body feels on game days. 
it did not used to feel that way. And um, so that calculation, I think, is we're able to squeeze a little bit more out of the athletes um, and get a better product on the field, which I, which is the ultimate goal. I mean, yes, you can call it soft. You can call it whatever you want. The fact of the matter is sports are at its highest level than they've ever been right now from a talent perspective. And, you know, guys are more athletic than they were back then because they don't burn out. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think that's just my opinion on it. I do think at times you need to test kids and you need to test their mental will. Um, and, you know, I certainly have had it done to me a few times that I didn't enjoy all that much. I'll be honest, but, um, you know, yeah, you Tambo, Tambo will for, get in that ass. I, I remember that with Team USA. <laughs> he ain't shy of it. He, uh, you know, I, I can't say that I'm disappointed to hear, uh, to not hear him say, get on the end line ever again. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he's, he definitely knew where to push and, and, and stuff. And I think it's a learning process, but, um, I think it's, it's for the best of sports, um, in sports. And I think, you know, you're seeing it. Um, and I think it's, it's to credit those long careers. And you look at the guys that you talked about, they took care of their bodies so well, um, throughout their time. And, you know, I look at Tom Brady right now, he takes incredible care of his body and it's really all a calculation. And, you know, the dude's in his 40s and is still one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the league. Yeah, yeah. You'll find that in professional sports, a lot of it is uh, reliant and dependent on how you take care of yourself and the practices that uh, you take yourself through and the workouts. And there's a lot more isolation, no matter if you're in the NFL or the PLL. Um, and, uh, and I think as a result, though, it can also be more fulfilling with success because – uh, there's that there's that level of self dependency. Have you uh, since since been drafted? Have you uh, spoken to any of your archers teammates? Yeah, yeah, I've I've talked to uh, I've heard from just about um, I've, I've heard from a lot of them. Um, Joey Joey Sankey texted me. He wants to get together and shoot. He's a Philly guy, so nice. that's pretty cool. Because I, I actually I looked up to Joey when I was growing up because he was a little guy, and I you know obviously I'm not the biggest guy in the world. So he was, he was a mentor of mine first. Um, so him and then Will, Man Will Manny, I was, I was telling Brett earlier, uh, Will Manny, you know, text me every other day, like whether it's a song, whether it's just like, let's fucking go or he's ready, you know, he's ready to like, score some just, goals, huh? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, him. And then, you know, a, a bunch of guys have reached out. Um, you know, he's, him and him and Marcus Holman have sent me film stuff on, uh, you know, them watching my games and saying, yeah, I'll be right here. Just find me and I'll, I'll, mm. I'll score it for you. Mm. So, um, you know, I think it's it's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm super jacked up to play along those two guys. I mean, I think, you know, they're, they're two of the best off ball guys in our game. And, um, you know, they, they've been nothing but nice to me in that approach. And, um, you know, I really respect those guys for sure. Um, and then, and then Tom Schreiber and Scott Ratliff have also reached out and those guys are, um, just, have just been awesome. I mean, I kind of, I mentioned, I heard Will say like, yeah, you can run a two man game with Tom. And I, I like almost shit myself because yeah. <laughs> I watched Tom and, you know, he's, you know, in my opinion, you know, one of, if not the best in the world right now. And he's just, he's just an unbelievable talent to be able to suit up alongside of him is, is going to be unbelievable. What was your, uh, what was your first impression like of Scott Ratliff? He seemed like a really just nice, nice and genuine dude. And, um, you know, I, I think he, he asked me what, what number I was going to take. And, um, you know, because I wore number two in high school 
and I wore number one in college, and both of those are taken. So, right. Um, <laughs> Scott going right for it. So, what do you got, man? So, 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 so are you unveiling that? What um, number are you going to take? You know, I, I've decided. I think it's pretty cool that Chris Sabia wears the number sixteen, and uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wear that for for my time with the Archers and uh, in honor of Connor Darcy and the Darcy family. Um, so give a little backstory on him. He passed away in, in 2015 in a car accident and he was a, a goalie for us. And, um, just, just an absolute competitive, just, you know, would get in your face type kid. And, um, so, you know, obviously it's a tradition to wear the number 16 for, for everybody. Um, uh, you know, at Penn state, one senior gets to wear it. Nick Cardio wore it this year. And, mm. um, you know, I think, I think it would be really cool. I know, uh, specifically talking about Penn State guys, Ryan Keenan wears it for for the Bayhawks, and um, Nick Aponte wears it for the Lizards. So I think it's a really cool tradition that the Penn State lacrosse family is kind of starting. Oh, that's great! It's great. I didn't know that. I do remember uh, when that news hit, it, it uh, ricocheted through the lacrosse community, and you were on the team. Yeah, I was. I was a freshman on the team. I was mm. an incoming freshman. I got a call from. Um, from I, I saw it and then you know the seniors were reaching out i got a call from tommy o'neill the captain that year and um you know kind of just you know breaking the news and it, it was it was really crazy crazy time and it it was definitely something that um you know affected you know our program but i think we've done a pretty good job and and carrying on his legacy and um his brother teddy is, is on the team now which is um, you know, that not only do they look alike, you know, they're, they're very similar people personality wise. So, um, you know, it's, I think it would definitely be the coolest thing to do, um, you know, to be able to wear the number 16, um, in honor of Connor. I, I still need to ask the Darcy's if, if they'll let me do that. Cause, um, you know, obviously that's a, that's a pretty big deal for them too. Yep. Amazing, man. Well, that's, uh, that's great. Appreciate you, you sharing that with us and, and we'll follow along as that progresses. Um, progressing to the future so you're in uh you're in philly now you staying with your folks mm -hmm. have you thought about uh, where you want to lodge in the near term uh once we get out of this pandemic you're going to come to la <laughs> i the, the hope is i can move into philadelphia with some buddies oh and, come on man uh, come on out to la <laughs> you know get the, the beautiful um, sunset access to the league you know training facilities <laughs> can't beat it we we can talk about that at a later date. Okay. <laughs> and then uh and then now that you're uh, officially pro, um what's up with uh, some endorsements? Have you uh have you have you talked to uh let's let's not we'll, we'll keep names out. Have you haven't made a decision yet? It's a really difficult time mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. you know, whether we're the league and talking about sponsorship or certainly players or talent across the board, marketing budgets are pressing pause because it's, it's a very difficult time across any industry for any company. Um, but, uh, what, what do you think? Like what, what's running through your head right now? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to a few companies and, um, you know, I'm able to kind of, uh, you know, have a few, few in mind. Um, the, the, the big thing is like, I need to try out gear because I've used Maverick for the past five years and Maverick's certainly in the conversation, but, um, you know, I, I don't, I've been out of the gear. I used to be the biggest gear snob in high. You remember, remember me at project nine? Like yeah. I was the biggest gear snob. Right. And you couldn't uh, keep your hands off like, of my stick, but you know, that's, uh, <laughs> 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 you, 
You, you, but you never, so, you know, the thing about it, I, I, I used to say, uh, I used to say that when I was your age, cause we were an STX school and mm-hmm. players technically and legally don't have to use the, that equipment because STX doesn't sponsor mm-hmm. you as an athlete, but there's some nuance there around sponsoring the school and that's the equipment that you're given and the coach yeah. kind of tells you to use it. But, uh, you're right. So you're going for authenticity and feel first and you may come back and it might be Maverick or it could be someone else. So, so what are you doing in the interim? You're just trying a bunch of sticks. Yeah. I mean, just kind of trying everything out. Um, you know, I obviously have my Maverick sticks from school that I've, uh, that's kind of what I've been using in, in my workouts. Um, just because I, I've used the same stick for the past four years. So, yeah. you know, I haven't changed the pattern. I haven't changed anything. So, um, you know, there, I still have a few dialed up that, uh, you know, worst comes to worst, I can definitely use those, but, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure out all that stuff. I got to figure out what cleats I'm wearing. Cleats are a big thing for me, yep. um, with all my feet stuff. So I got to figure out that cleats are um, huge. Yeah. So, do you have, uh, do you have orthotics? Uh, I don't, but I actually, I wore, I wore new balance cleats this year. Um, because, because I broke my foot in Nike cleats. So I, I wore yep. spray painted new balance cleats. Spray my, painted the, them. The, the, the equipment manager would spray paint them because, you know, the coach didn't want to, you know, have the, the New Balance logo and get, get you know, any trouble from Nike. So I would have um, just added an IKE off of the end <laughs> on the cleat. I, I've always kind of thought about that, you know, ways to disrupt the, the branding or logo. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, you should look into orthotics for real. I, I use orthotics. Yeah. It's been super helpful because I had a bone graft. I had surgery. Yeah on my Jones fracture twice. Um, Mm -hmm. Other athletes who have had multiple surgeries, Kevin Durant, obviously same time as as I did on my Jones fracture. Uh, Julio Jones had it twice. So um, they're certainly world-class, kind of hard-cutting, physical, big athletes who have had uh, multiple surgeries and then gone on and and had MVP and championship seasons. So uh, there's Mm -hmm. no doubt that, that, that you will get there as well. And I'll say too, I was an STX athlete or not an STX athlete. I played for an STX school and used all STX gear. And you obviously played for a Maverick school and used all Maverick gear. Um, little known fact is that I never actually received an STX offer to endorse the company out of school. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, again, let's not give, let's, let's not give any secrets away yet because I want you to optimize for the deal value that you deserve. Yep. Um, but it, you, you never know what's going to happen. And, uh, obviously I'm a resource mm-hmm. offline if you, if you want to talk to me about it and, uh, Thank and you. you're going to you. be a, you're going to be a great asset for a company. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the coolest thing in our sport is like, there's just so much good gear in, in this day and age. Like, you know, yeah. I, I look at, um, you know, when you, uh, transitioned away from your, your, uh, new balance contract last year. Like you well, hopped they terminated in it, my it, deal. There wasn't... I, I didn't transition. Okay. Like yeah. let's, let's, let's call yeah. it. The... <laughs> That's call like, spade, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve my comments about Hopkins lacrosse right now, but go ahead. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, but like, I look at all the companies, like when you hopped back in, like you didn't miss a beat, like all gear, I think, I think companies, um, you know, obviously companies have different flavors, but I think we're at a great point in time when it, from an equipment standpoint of lacrosse, like it, everything's so good and every brand, um, you know, has its own flavor that I, I think, you know, there, there's a spot for everybody. And, uh, you know, I think it's really cool to be a part of that and well, be able to try some stuff. Let, out. Let's use a coach Tambo, uh, non-negotiable. What are some non-negotiables for your lacrosse head? Cause I would say that handles, I, I can pretty much use anything. 
Um, you know, I certainly have preference, but it's not gonna it's not gonna push me away from uh, a goal or an assist or just a good feed in general. But I'll, I'll give you a couple of my non-negotiables for a head. It has to be offset and preferably maximum offset. Um, and there's a you know a spec to how far the the head frame can dip below the handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondarily, I like to play still with the former high school spec in way of narrow. Which you can do in, in the in the pro mm-hmm. league, which is uh, which is advantageous. Mm-hmm. You can also do that internationally. So those are the two non negotiables yeah. for me on head shape. Yeah, I mean for for head shape for me, um, you know I I don't like too wide of a head, but I I don't like um, heads that are skinny and then flare out. I like ones that are that kind of just you know they 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 aren't as um, I like it offset. I, I'm using a, a I used a Maverick tactic in in school, so I, I loved it. But is the tactic um, offset? You know, the, the big. You I, I mean you would know so. you're you're gearhound, but you know I, I mean I we, we surely so. we talked about this uh, a, over a decade ago that you know the, yeah. the offset patent is now available to everyone. So in theory, mm-hmm. I, I would assume, and I haven't been that deep into the gear market, but. Once that thing opened up, because patents have 15-year uh, expiration terms on them. So once Brine, and that was a lot of the impetus of why Warrior purchased Brine a long time ago was for their IP. Okay. So they get the offset technology through the ownership of Brine, and then they deploy it on all the Warrior heads. That patent's run out, so now every company in lacrosse can do offset heads. But what they did in the interim to fake the consumer out was that the throat of the stick would actually start on an upward angle trajectory and then it would dip, ah, but it would end up landing sure on the dip like at the center of the handle. Cause you look at the yeah. offset and, and the way you measure it is the center of the handle. If you're looking at it parallel to the ground and then how far the head finishes below that. So you can theoretically have a dip and then the head mm-hmm. raised to the top and that's not offset. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't know the answer mm-hmm. on tactic, but yep. um, you should. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, other than that, I mean, I string my own sticks. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of the one in control of, of all that stuff. So, um, you know, realistically, I could probably use any head and be able to just string it up and go out and use it. Um, you know, it, some better than others. But, um, you know, I think, you know, that that's definitely something that's th- another thing that I've seen evolve is just like the amount of and I think your head was one of the first ones to do it. Um, like the amount of sidewall holes in heads now, yeah. you can string basically any sort of pocket that you want. And, you know, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to do. So, um, you know, I think once, once companies started doing that, cause like I remember the old like Evo 2.0s and there were like, you know, eight holes that you had to deal with and you had to like double up three times or right. something like that. Yeah. We were like, why don't yeah, we just blow you, this you, thing out and have holes everywhere so people can string however yeah. the fuck they want. So, um, I think that was, that was a huge thing with, with, and now it's, you know, the staple for every single stick. Now, every single stick has, you know, holds all up and down that, that sidewall area. Yep. Yep. Who's cutting your hair right now? You have like a fresh fade, <laughs> had it for the draft. Who, what's going on? My, uh, my, my girlfriend has given me three haircuts over, over wow. it. So and she's, she's not here out here fucking around, man. That's like a, that's like a skin tight no, fade. No, yeah, it's a it's a one to a three on the side, some huh. scissors up top, and maybe she should so, be stringing yeah. your sticks. I mean, with that level of artisanship, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I texted uh, uh, Carcaterra loves when I post stuff about the haircut because yeah, he, he loves he haircuts. Gives his, his, his two cents, but uh, he, he loves he his haircuts and chicken parmesan. Job. 
you know, Pauly Kark. Yeah, exactly. I told, I told him once this ends, uh, he needs to come down and, and give me, cause we were, we were going to do his podcast, but before everything ended, um, he's like, I was like, dude, you need to come down and get me a haircut. I need, I need a nice, yeah, you, need you know, peak arc haircut. He said, he said, uh, having Marcus Holman and Will Manning is, is going to be like having two Mac O'Keefe's. They would take offense to that. Hopefully, Mac O'Keefe uh, takes it as a compliment. But the net of it is, you had a shitload of assists over your career to Mac O'Keefe, and now you've got two guys. So that's going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's let's grow your hair out again to uh, to the length of which when we first met, which was over a decade ago at Project Nine. We'll show that picture <laughs> um, of you and I hanging out, and uh, and you were probably uh, fourteen or fifteen at the time. Um, probably yeah yeah i remember your stick skills were on point and uh and you were hungry so who would have thought i had no clue you'd be where we are today but um let's go kick ass for another 10 years yeah yeah that's that's the hope thanks thank you for everything yeah maybe maybe you need to grow out your hair to that length too i'm thinking about i'm thinking about coming out of this quarantine with long hair and a shaved beard yeah saying uh, fuck it here we go now you would you would really look like your old self. Yeah, that's right. And play like it too. (laughs) All right, buddy. All right. Thank you, Paul. All right. That does it for the show. I really enjoyed Grant Ament. You can follow him on Instagram at Grant Ament. We're going to come up with something cool to either tag him in or a marketing thing around. Maybe it's like Grant A-list Ament. It's like Hollywood Huntley uh, for all those Hopkins folks that may listen to this podcast. Uh, Kevin Huntley was my teammate for all four years at Hopkins. We called him Hollywood. And so maybe we'll start calling Grant A-List. Grant Ament. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Congratulations on the number one overall pick. Make sure, if you haven't already, to subscribe to this podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. That goes a long way. This podcast is free for all of you. So we just ask that you designate your support by referring it to your friends. And whether they play lacrosse or not, we welcome their listenership. And until next week, have a great week and figure out your ways to get your workouts in. Thanks again. (laughs) 